0: Attention, purpose driven entrepreneurs, budding entrepreneurs, and any size business owners. This episode is brought to you by an upcoming online event headed by number one international best selling author, Shine Bourne, Five marketing secrets you need to get more high quality leads to make more sales. This proven five part system will help you accelerate, amplify, and multiply your success with full control, measurability, and ownership without any expensive monthly marketing fees that have little to zero return. No business-minded person looking to secure their financial well-being, eliminate wasted time and money, make more sales and make more long-term connections is looking for another one of those self-help gurus. They need solutions, tangible ones, and this webinar is that solution. The best-kept secrets are usually hidden behind some seriously steep paywalls, but not here. The workshop is absolutely free and can be found in the link I provided in this episode's description. Make sure you click that link and head there to RSVP for April 19th and 20th, 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Central. This is an opportunity you don't wanna miss. Now, onto the show. Your host, Billy Dean Shumate III here, and welcome back to another episode of Strange Places. Yeah, this is episode 84. Pretty cool. How crazy is that? 84 episodes in, and we're still clacking along. Before we get into it, I want to not only thank this week's sponsors. I don't do it enough. And if it wasn't for you guys the continued success of strange places wouldn't even be a thing i have the listeners to thank i have the sponsors to thank and i run another podcast it's called no disclosure and it's about weird news it's a <laughs> very unhinged it's not as kind of calm and quiet and professional and serious as this one yeah i have my cheeky moments on this show you know but they're very it's pretty I I try to keep my humor as dry as possible and make this a you know serious thing. But uh, yeah, check out No Disclosure. I'm no stranger to shameless plugs. But No Disclosure had been going on for years. I mean, it's in its sixth season. We're only in season three for Strange Places. And Strange Places is outperforming No Disclosure just by miles. You guys really like this show. And... I certainly appreciate it. A lot of people chalk it up to well, it's just a more popular niche. You know, not everybody's into the weird news thing, and that might have something to do with it. But I like to think it's because you guys dig this show, <laughs> and I dig it too. It's a, it's it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of fun. So let's get into it. As you can see, this episode is called Jason Padgett: Instant Genius. That's uh, a very fitting title because. Uh, Yeah, we're about to learn some really, really interesting stuff about this individual. Now, disclaimer, hopefully my mixing skills are up to snuff. I've been a recording engineer for over 20 years, so hopefully I can take care of this, but it is howling, storming like crazy, and I'm recording this in an upstairs apartment, so if you hear any of that... Just consider it ambiance. (laughs) Just consider it, uh, you know, scary, creepy ambiance for the uh, episode we're about to get into. It's uh, not intentional, but with a podcast like this, I don't mind a little bit of howling, a little bit of rain. It's actually kind of cool. But hopefully, like I said, if my mixing skills are up to snuff, you won't even notice. So let's get into it. Late on the night of Friday, September 13th, 2002, Jason Paget staggered out of a karaoke bar in Tacoma, Washington. Jason had spent the night drinking with friends at the establishment. He was majorly inebriated. What do they say? Three sheets to the wind, three kites to the wind if you're in Europe. <laughs> and his condition had not gone unnoticed. Standing in the shadows, a couple of predators were watching. They were looking for an easy score. Jason seemed like a prime target. Breaking cover, the men approached from behind. See, Jason was in no condition to offer resistance, as you can imagine, but the muggers were not taking any chances. One of them struck him on the back of the head, sending him sprawling to his knees. A white flash went off before Jason's eyes as the initial blow landed. He'd later describe it as being like the flash of a camera. Pretty unique. Not a lot of people describe that. It's, um might have something to do with this later. I don't know, but I thought it very interesting that he specifically described a white, what looked like an old school camera bulb flash. Then the men were beating and kicking him. They relieved him of his wallet, his leather jacket, and they ran away into the night. The beatdown of Jason Paget had been swift and brutal. Left him bloodied, bruised, his head spinning, a dull ache in both of his kidneys. His brain was addled, confused. He didn't know where he was or how he got there. Fortunately, he had the presence of mind to realize that he needed help. Fortunately, too, there was a hospital just across the street. Boy, if you were to get mugged across the street from a hospital, there you go. Jason staggered towards it, entered the ER, and was immediately assisted by medical staff. A brief examination revealed that he had suffered a concussion and bruised kidneys. Oh, God. Just hearing those two words, bruised kidneys. Oh, but that's brutal. Blood in his urine for the next few days, as you can imagine. He was given pain meds, told to go home and get some rest. He was advised to stay off the sauce for a while. In truth, he was lucky. (laughs) That... I was just thinking the same thing. I mean, it could have been so much worse. I know a guy, a former coworker, that was mugged outside of a bar in, where was this, Louisville, Kentucky? I know you guys say Louisville. I just, I, you know, Louisville. That's, I'm not from Kentucky, so there you go. And um, they, I mean, broke his glasses. They fucked up his nose. I mean, uh, He got the ever-loving shit beat out of him, and they busted a whiskey bottle over his head. He was gone for like a month, and um, yeah, had major surgeries, lost sight in one of his eyes for a while. I mean, it was a bad, it was a bad deal. Thankfully, they caught the guys, but I've seen what mugging can do to a cat, and it's uh, it's pretty brutal stuff. The attack on Jason Padgett would have its effects that went way beyond the physical. Before the beating, Jason had been a social butterfly, out every night drinking with his buddies, chasing girls. <laughs> He'd arrive at his job every morning severely hungover. Not the most responsible way to live about your life, but, you know, that's, um, I don't think it necessitates, hey, this guy should get mugged, you know what I mean? It's just young and stupid. I don't wish I'm mugging on anybody. Then he'd go home, spruce up, hit the town again. Now, after this, Jason had little interest in partying. As most of us would. In fact, he was afraid to leave the house. He couldn't even bear sunlight coming in through the windows. He started nailing up blankets and towels to shut it out. Which is usually indicative of a major concussion. Unfortunately, I've had my share. I had fainting spells a lot when I was a kid. And that carried on to adulthood. I'm pretty squeamish. And when people start talking about like medical stuff, stuff like that, oh, my blood sugar drops like a tank. I don't have any health things, I don't have diabetes, anything like that, but every time that I passed out as a kid, as an adult, whatever, I'd always seemed to hit my damn head. I've had multiple concussions. And that sensitivity to light is just nuts. It's ethereal in terms of its weirdness. It's just, it's bizarre. I feel for this guy. In an even more extreme move, he used uh, spray foam to seal his front door. He also developed an obsessive-compulsive disorder, and an irrational fear of germs. He'd wash his hands several times a day and impose the same rules on his daughter when she came to visit. But amidst all the trauma, something else was happening. Something that made it a prime candidate for this show. Something that Jason Padgett could not understand. Everything he saw looked slightly pixelated, as though he were living inside a low-res video game. Interesting. He saw this effect in clouds and water running from the faucet in puddles on the ground. It was particularly pronounced when he looked at curved objects. The phenomenon confused him, even frightened him a little bit. He also found it oddly beautiful. He started researching things like, are we living in a simulation? Is all this a big computer program? He would hear people like Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk in particular talking about, Well, if we were living in some kind of simulation, I've heard Neil deGrasse Tyson talk about this too, that (laughs) there's some thunder. I don't know if you heard that or not, but uh, (laughs) I think it's cool. Perfect ambience for this kind of stuff. We should have been doing a ghost story this week, but anyway, (laughs) that a good way to tell if we were living in a simulation is to zoom in far enough because you need to be looking at, you would find a pixel eventually the smallest unit of digital construct, you would have to find some sort of pixel. And I've seen arguments about our atoms, pixels, you know, stuff like that, but he started researching this stuff for himself. Eager to understand these weird things that he was seeing, he took to the internet, started doing research, a lot heavier research than just the matrix theory, what have you. This brought him down a rabbit hole into the world of mathematics and physics. Oddly he could understand that many of the con- he could understand a lot of the concepts even the advanced stuff. This astonished him. Math had always been a challenge in school. He was just he hit a wall with math always. He never progressed beyond a freshman algebra class. He'd frequently derided the subject as stupid and of no particular use to the real world. It was a web page about fractals that really struck a chord with him. Now, we all understand the layman fractal concept but mathematically i started diving into it and trust me my head started hurting this is a pretty advanced concept when you really get into it but it somehow made perfect sense to him one night while watching tv with his daughter she asked how the pictures were displayed on the screen Jason had never really thought about this before, but he explained that the entire surface was made of squares and rectangles. When you see a circle, it's not really a circle, but a configuration of these shapes, he told her. If you were to zoom in close enough, you'd see that the edge isn't rounded at all, but jagged. It's a zigzag. A perfect circle, according to him, doesn't actually exist. Jason wasn't just describing the TV screen. He was describing what he saw in the real world. However, because he lacked a formal education in mathematics, he didn't have the quote-unquote language, you know, to properly describe what he was seeing. In the absence of that language, he started drawing, constructing complex mathematical diagrams by hand. He started to believe that these drawings explained the universe and took his pad and pencils with him everywhere, just in case an inspiration struck him. Now, one day... He was sitting at a mall, sketching in his pad. When a man approached, he asked if he could see the drawing and after examining it for a while, commented that it was remarkably accurate from a mathematical perspective. We're talking some pretty deep math here. Jason tried to explain the sketch as best he could using what he, you know, gleaned from online sources. And this is a quote. I'm trying to describe the discrete structure of space-time based on Planck length and quantum black holes, he told the stranger. Wow. That's uh <laughs> that's some pretty heavy stuff for a guy who goes out drinking and partying and chasing chicks all night. Interesting. Now I'm not judging, but interesting nonetheless. He turned out to be a physicist that other guy. Yeah. Who recognized the advanced math in the picture Jason had sketched. He was surprised to learn that Jason was not formally educated in this kind of stuff whatsoever urged him to take some online classes, if only to learn the theory behind what he was able to construct just by instinct. Within days, Jason Paget had enrolled at a local community college. That turned out to be a pretty good move. Not only did it equip Jason with the skills to articulate his ideas, but it convinced him to seek treatment for the negative consequences of that blow to the head, like the OCD in particular. But here, <clears throat> pardon me, we must ask the question, Right. How is it possible that a concussion instantly turned Jason Paget, burnout, party dude, let's be honest, general nobody, into Jason Paget mathematical genius? It turns out that this is a rare but not unheard of phenomenon. I don't know if you've heard about it, but it's called acquired savant syndrome. And this is not the only case of it. Case in point, Derek Amato he gained incredible skills as a musical composer. He was knocked unconscious on the cement floor of a swimming pool. Albany, New York, 42-year-old medical doctor, Tony Sissoria, He became a renowned pianist and composer after being struck by lightning and hitting his head. Alonzo Clemens suffered a severe brain injury in a falling accident, age four. It did leave him developmentally disabled, but he became a sculptor. That just absolutely, me, as me as an artist, it absolutely blows my mind. How amazing he is. Orlando Serra was struck on the head by a baseball, age 10. After the accident, he suddenly acquired the ability to perform amazingly complex calendrical cal- uh, calculations. The guy also, uh, I mean, you've, you've heard stories about people who suffer major blows to the head, traumatic brain injuries they learn languages that they never even studied and they're fluent in them. These are documented cases. And it's, it's leaving scientists, biologists just absolutely scratching their heads to the point where if any of these, um, you know, <laughs> uh, scholarly educated want to be taken seriously, they don't talk about it at all. Or they just write it off. Adam G. Lopez. I can keep going. He became a math prodigy and also acquired genius-level skills in robotics, electronics, and computer coding. There's a lot of other... I can talk about this for an hour. It's crazy. The question is, how? How is this possible? Science has some of the answers, but it can't provide us with all of them. Barrett Brogard, a philosophy philosophy professor at the University of Miami, studied Jason Paget. other savants like him, acquired savants, using functional magnetic resonance imaging, or, you know, fMRI, I should have just said. In Paget's case, she believes that, uh, what's the word she used? Let me check my notes here. Synthesia might be at play. What this is, it's a rare phenomenon in which the senses somehow become kind of cross-wired. For example, a person may perceive sounds as color. Words as tactile sensation. Curves as pixels. Images of Paget's brain show significant activity in the left hemisphere where mathematical skills reside. But his brain lit up most strongly in the left area of the cortex. If you don't know... I didn't know until I started studying it. This is where the brain integrates information from different senses. It's impossible to say yet whether these changes are permanent, but even to this day, they're still going. And so to the question that's probably on your mind right now, is Jason Padgett's brain in some way special or does the ability to acquire these genius level abilities lie in everyone? The answer, according to science, is the latter We all have these abilities lying dormant within us. The brain simply has not wired up the regions and made the necessary connections. Then how is it that a blow to the head does? Welcome to the Vinyl Word Podcast, where forgotten spoken word records are revisited with a comedic twist. Join me, Steve Beach. And me, Brian Mayer, for a trip down memory lane, where records weren't only for music, but also education. (laughs) Learn to bowl, throw a dinner party, or hit a baseball, all while being tethered to a spinning record on a gigantic stereo. It was well intentioned, ineffective, and totally ridiculous. But what other options did they have? And let's be honest, Steve, we can describe the internet the same way. Yeah. Listen to the Vinyl Word podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Pocket Cast, iHeartRadio. literally anywhere they get their podcast is what Stitcher, Deezer. Now. Like I've told you, I've had multiple concussions. And I've never had any kind of crazy, you know, (laughs) uh, acquired savant syndrome. But there are people who have brought up certain things. I started painting at age 38. 38 years old, and I just start painting. Now, a little bit of background here. My grandmother, excuse me again, my throat's messed up. My grandmother was, uh, (laughs) before Bob Ross... I'm not just name dropping here. This is true. Whenever, uh, before Bob Ross, the Bob Ross was on TV, he would go and teach, you know, classes. My grandmother followed him to a lot of these classes and ended up being personally instructed by Bob Ross, the Bob Ross. My grandmother wasn't just a good painter. She was a master, referred to the blind dweller, YouTube channel, art critic, uh, among other people as a master painter. Now, did I pick up some stuff subconsciously by watching her? One of my one of my friends uh, is an artist for a living. That's what she does. That's how she butters bread. You know, that's how she puts clothes on her back. She's an artist, a painter, sculptor, you name it. And when she was observing me, she noticed that I was pulling off stuff that took years. And her theory is that, um, you know, because whenever we wanted to paint with Grandma, you know, she never said no, but she never instructed us either. She just let us be kids and play with the paint and whatever. But she mentioned something interesting. She said, there's almost no artist that, (laughs) at least in this modern day, that had the fortune to have watched a master for 20 years. She's like, something subconsciously got in there. You knew what angle to hold the knives and the brushes. You knew how to mix the colors properly. You knew this, you knew that. Which is perfectly feasible. And there's just these kind of bizarre things that get me thinking sometimes, you know. I started writing novels when I was 26. Usually that starts a lot younger. Since then, I've published 40 novels, 40. And I've heard people say stuff like that. Hey, dude, maybe you got you know, savant syndrome. I'm like, can I have anything a little bit more useful? Can I get one of the languages or something? <laughs> You know how much more money I could make at my job if I knew, like, multiple languages? The piano thing would be cool, too. But um, uh, a lot of people think that this is an ability that's already in the human brain. But, you know, with some people, that certain blow to the head just does something, and it activates these areas. It has no reason to do so, though. That's what bugs me. Tests conducted by Dr. Brogard and other other people suggest that zapping the brains of normal people using TMS can temporarily, at least, bring out latent mathematical and artistic skills. They have yet to do this in a truly controlled environment, but they've seen some weird results with these tests. Now, before you begin wishing these superpowers on yourself, though, including myself, Billy, <laughs> bear in mind that savant skills come with some serious trade-offs in Paget's case it was PTSD, obsessive compulsive disorder and others, schizophrenia, learning disabilities, severe physical symptoms, debilitating headaches for the rest of their lives. Yet Jason Paget would not change his new abilities if he could. Years after the attack outside the karaoke bar, one of the assailants, Brady Simmons, wrote to Jason apologizing for the part that he'd played. Wow. It's uncertain whether Paget responded. If he did, I don't know. Maybe he would have thanked Simmons, right? He once told a news reporter, I can't even describe how good it is. I see beauty everywhere. I'm having this mathematical awakening and all around us is absolute magic or about as close as you can get to magic. That's a direct quote. I don't know. Maybe he would think the uh, assailant, right? I'm surprised that nobody got uh, arrested for this. <laughs> Whether he gave me superpowers or not, you know, if somebody mugged me outside of a place, beat the hell out of me, took my wallet and be like, okay, uh, two things. Um, I want my jacket and my money back. And number two, what is your address so I could send the cops to your fucking house? (laughs) Jason Padgett must be a pretty nice guy. I I don't think I would be as kind. Now, just to get a little bit more inside this whole thing... I looked up Jason Padgett, and uh, apparently he is quite the artist as well. This is interesting. Born and raised in Alaska. Uh, nothing really, you know, academically remarkable. He bungee jumper, skydiver, scuba diver, black belt in karate. Dropped out of community college to sell futons full-time. Yes, I said futons. And, um, yeah. Pretty uh, pretty crazy. Started viewing the world through lens of mathematical shape, something he'd never seen before. That is very interesting to me. He, uh, yeah, I'm just reading all of his, uh, checking out his Wikipedia page, actually. 15 years. Um, yeah, sobriety, doesn't drink anymore. Good, don't do that. Wow. This is crazy. Now views the attack and its effects as a gift since the attack he's gone on to uh, make and sell artwork on his personal website, portraying the shapes that he sees. He's written a book about the attack and the life thereafter. Has given TED Talks, actually. Studio Sony picked up the rights to make a movie about the guy. Nothing uh, coming through just yet, but they're thinking about it. And looking at this art, this art is um, pretty surreal stuff. It's like... It's kind of hard to describe. You know what I think I might do is I might take a piece of his art and use it as the thumbnail for this episode if I can do that. I guess I am probably just have to do a print screen sort of thing (laughs) because I do want you to see this. Pretty interesting stuff. And there's really no way to describe it. It's very fractal. If I was put on the spot and I had to tell you. <laughs> sorry, I'm clacking away at my keyboard. If I was put on the spot and I had to tell you. Imagine if somebody had like the most badass. Uh, what's that thing that you use to make fractal stuff? That kid's toy, like that game. I keep wanting to say Etch-A-Sketch, but that's not it. What the heck is that called? Oh my gosh. I'm drawing a blank. What is that thing called? (laughs) This is bugging me. You know what I mean. Like you put your pen in the thing and then, you know, you move it around, right? No, it's not called Fractiles. I grew up with this toy. What the heck is it called? (laughs) Do I have to cut (laughs) just to jog my memory? Either too much coffee or not enough. I actually had to cut spirograph. Shit. Oh, my God. Yeah, turning 40. Maybe I have had too many knocks on the head. Gee whiz. I grew up playing with these things. Spirograph, Billy. Idiot. That's what it looks like. Like you have the most badass spirograph ever made. It's it's pretty interesting stuff. Oddly beautiful. Very, very fractal. Adrift, oh man, his original work is going for thousands. You can get prints, 20, 30 bucks here, but his original work, that would be cool to have. I wouldn't mind dropping five grand on some of that. That's pretty beautiful stuff. Quantum crosses, wave particle, duality two, relativity drawn, quantum stars, planks, black hole. That's amazing. So what is the question here? What are we trying to examine on Strange Places this week, you know? What are we looking at? What is the question? We have to have a question going in, right? You know what? I'm going to make this piece of art of his as the thumbnail. I do want you guys to see this. So this is in no way to steal your art or anything like that. So intentionally, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bump the resolution down on this thing. Quite a bit. So any amount of blowing it up, plus it's going to have a strange places logo right in front of it, but I'm going to bump this thing down to the point where any amount of blowing it up is just going to blow out the image. So I want to protect it as much as possible because I'm an artist myself and artists should be paid for their work. But, um, what is the question here? Cause I'm struggling to come up with one. <laughs> I thought this tale was bizarre that it needed to be told. And this isn't the only case of this. There's not a lot to go on here because scientists are just, everybody's just completely scratching their heads. It's a misconception that we use 10% of our brains. It's totally not true. Where that misconception came from is that your brain uses a lot of things, a lot of certain cells, a lot of different types of things to get it moving and working. The. Actual brain cells that are responsible for learning only make up 10% of the cells in there. We use That's where the misconception came from. We use a hell of a lot more than 10% of our brains. But the ones that are responsible, that's where that misconception came from. Those, uh, what do they call it, strategic learning brain cells, only make up 10% of what cells are in there. So that's where that came from. Now at brains... They do divide it into sections because certain areas light up, you know, whatever. But the brain is a network. There's stuff happening all over the all over the place. Things need to travel from one area to the other. So our brain is a very very active thing. There's no dead zones, you know. There's no uh, off limits areas that are just dark and not working. We, as a people, we as a species. like the alien debate, right? It's a weird question to ask. If you were an advanced alien species to the point where you could manipulate gravity, gravity, if you were at the point where you can travel interstellar, right? Where you can take jumps faster than light. Would you even mess with creatures like us? We would seem like bacteria, You know what I mean? I still think that bacteria are worth studying. So I think that to them, we would be worth studying, yeah. But how far do you go with that? These little creatures here, they've been living on this planet for how long? Hundreds of thousands of years? And we haven't even mapped our own fucking ocean? We're not harnessing the energy of our star yet? We're still burning fossil fuels? Yeah. As advanced as we like to think we are, we're still burning dead plants We still have a long ways to go. And the brain is one of those frontiers that we haven't completely discovered yet. We haven't mapped this whole thing. We haven't figured it out entirely. We still have no clue where dreams come from. No idea. A lot of scientists think, and I agree, that it's just your brain defragmenting. Your brain is a biomechanical computer. It does need to process all of the stimuli it gets all day. It has RAM, right? It has <laughs> short-term, it has long-term. It is very much a kind of a biological computer, but we don't know why it does some of the stuff that it does. These abilities to speak languages and to instantly, instantly, just by ex- being exposed to it for seconds, the ability to instantly learn something is locked in our brains, the ability to... I've heard Neil deGrasse Tyson talk about this. To be able to see through walls, to be able to see fractals and what you see as curved objects. He's even mentioned that before. The ability to understand complex mathematical equations. The ability to look at an instrument that's notoriously difficult to play. A violin, a piano, a drum set, whatever. And just instantly know how these things work. Never being able to read music before and then get knocked on the head and then you instantly know how to... Read and understand, you know, Moonlight Sonata or Flight of the Bumblebee. You can play it on a fucking kazoo. That's amazing to me. I don't know exactly where to go with this question. Is it real? Is it a phenomenon? Well, from what I've seen, from what I'm researching, no scientists are flat out saying no. None of them. None of them worth their salt, anyway. There's not one scientist, not one biological professor right not one neurosurgeon not one of them out there is saying no this isn't a thing they all recognize it but any scientist worth their salt is not going to run back to the drawing board they don't even say that science is the drawing board a lot of people think that these scientists are just sitting there in their high towers masters of the universe and then when the phone rings they're like oh some new science has been figured out all right and there's this big drawing board that they got to go back to no they are the drawing board They're always learning, and any scientist worth their salt is going to admit when they were wrong about something or they don't know, right? It's like that joke that that comedian says, you've seen it, on social media, on Facebook. I forget the comedian's name, but he's like, when I tap on this bench, you know, the stand-up guy, when I tap on this bench, some of the atoms from the bench go into me, and some of the atoms from me go into the bench. If you ask scientists, why is this? And they say, I, we don't know. <laughs> he said it a lot funnier than me. But that's true. And any scientist I think worth their shit is not afraid to say those words. I don't know. We don't know. We don't know how somebody who has never traveled to a certain country can instantly speak the language that one freaks me out the most. I know I keep mentioning that. We don't know how someone who and we have evidence for this. We've seen I've seen interviews with his parents. I've read a lot about this cat. A whole weeks worth of reading on this guy. There is nothing to even consider that he learned this subconsciously, kind of like how I believe I learned how to paint. He was not exposed to this stuff. Matter of fact, the guy was a complete fucking burnout. And now physicists are freaked out. Like, how does he know this stuff? How did he figure this out? We don't know. What gets me is that nobody's discounting acquired savant syndrome. There's not one person what they're saw out there. The scholarly educated, they're saying, oh, come on, that's not even a thing. now. Nah, nah, there, there's something else here. No, they recognize that it's something legitimate, but they cannot explain it. Is our brain capable of things that we consider to be... <laughs> I was looking for a better word because I didn't want to send, sound like, you know, the emperor from Star Wars, but unnatural... Right. (laughs) Sorry, I had to do that. But yeah, are our brains capable of that? That remains to be seen. But science points a yes. Pretty amazing story. And I know there's a lot others out there like it, and I know we're going to tackle them eventually. So what do you guys think? Head to Asylum817.com. That's Asylum817.com for all things Strange Places related. All the social media links are there as well as the link to get to our Patreon account where you can get everything from bonus episodes, giveaways of certain tiers, all kinds of stuff, ad-free episodes. So, yeah, check it out. Shout out to the patrons, by the way. The Kunkel Homestead YouTube channel, Donald Haynes, David Peterson. I appreciate you guys. Everybody keeps coming back every week. I appreciate you. Special thanks again to this week's sponsors. I don't know what I'd do without any of you. I just, I'd probably be doing this anyway, but, um, you know, just talking into the ether all by myself, but <laughs> two things. I like that we have, um, listeners who keep coming back. We have a sense of community about this thing. And, um, I get questions sent to me and I get suggestions for episodes and this is the coolest thing ever, you know, it's the coolest thing. And I'm not just talking into the ether. That would be pretty weird, but yeah, I do this anyway. And <laughs> as being one of the few podcasters out there especially in this niche that actually makes money doing this kind of stuff beside myself couldn't be more humbled couldn't be more thankful so i appreciate you anyway guys that's all we got we'll see you next week okay and yeah will we ever run out of strange places to talk about i don't think so because every town has a strange place and maybe one day we'll visit yours Tales from the Cube: A podcast about call centers and what it's like to work in a call center. Hi, I'm Tour, the host of Tales from the Cube. In each episode, I bring my 20-plus years of experience working in call centers to explain what it's like to work in a call center on the front line. I also offer tips and insights and share some of the funny and not so funny side of what it's like to do the job. Tales from the Cube can be found on Spotify, iHeartRadio, as well as Google Podcasts. Once again, that's Tales from the Cube with me, Cliff Chewett. That's Tales from the Cube with Cliff Chewett.